Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, if you do not know me, my name is Corey. Uh, I have the uh, I, I get to serve as the pastor here at Third Street Community Church, and today it is my honor and privilege to bring forth to you the Word of God. But I must first begin by giving honor uh, to the last three weeks. First of all, how good is it to be a part of a community where we have so many different voices that can step in and deliver the word? Amen. So for the last three weeks, uh, I have been uh, blessed uh, by, by the word uh, being brought by three completely different people. And so first off, uh, uh, to the first lady, Rachel, to Rev, and to Deshaun, thank you uh, for being faithful uh, and delivering, delivering the word. And I believe that we all here are appreciative of you guys as well. Amen. Can we just go ahead and show our appreciation to them real quick? And if you've been with us, or even if you haven't, I'll catch you up at this time, but if you've been with us, they have been taking us through this series that we are calling On The Way. Church, say On The Way. On The Way. We've been talking about this season of Advent being, being a time where, yes, we remember that at one point in time we were waiting for the Messiah to come a first time, but now we live in a time where we are anxiously awaiting the arrival of our Savior once and for all. The first week, Rev delivered a message to let us know that in case you didn't know, God's house is on the way. There is a kingdom that is coming. There is a kingdom that is already here, but there is a kingdom that someday will be more fully realized. Where there is no more pain. There is no more sorrow. There is only restoration, reconciliation, hope, love, and peace. Then Deshaun was faithful to remind us that this season, there also is a Savior on the way. How many of you in here are in need of a Savior? And we thank God that there was a time where he sent his son to intervene. And we thank God that someday there will be a day where his son comes once again to scoop us into his loving arms and to take us home forever. And then last week, Rachel talked about the fact that restoration is on the way. I don't know about you, but for, but for a lot of us in here, I know that, that the holidays bring up a whole lot of brokenness, a whole lot of feelings of, of being reminded of some hurtful things. And, and the hope of this season, the beautiful part of this season, is that that won't last forever. And this morning, this morning we lead into Christmas Eve with the idea that peace is on the way. Does anybody here under the sound of my voice this morning need a little bit of peace this holiday season? Does anybody else in here need a little bit of peace in life right now? There are few things, ironically, to me, less peaceful than the Christmas season. It's, 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 really, it's really ironic because I feel like in this holiday season, at least for me, there is no peace. We talk about peace. We write it on our you know, church bulletins or our nice, nice sweatshirts. But do we experience it in December? For a lot of us, it's been a long time since we've experienced it, but especially not in December. 
You don't believe me? Let me challenge you. Go to Belden Village. Man, there was a roar right there, so I know y'all with me. Listen, I have a rule. I have a rule that Thanksgiving not only signifies a day where the holiday food is the best, it not only signifies a day that the Dallas Cowboys play for everyone to watch, but it also represents a day where I no longer go to Belden Village until the next year. I just don't go there. However, unfortunately, this year, uh, there have been certain circumstances related to last-minute shopping, but none of your business. Um, There have been certain circumstances that have forced me to go to Belden Village this December. And I have to tell you that everything there is an illusion. Everywhere you go, there's this, there's this happy, like, Santa Claus, you know, and this, and this little, like, and everybody's got these smiles. And there's happy music everywhere. But go ahead. Go ahead and look one time like you're about to take somebody else's parking spot that they've turned their blinker on for, and we'll see how they really feel. Go ahead and look one time like you don't know where the line starts and ends and you just going to come in somewhere in the middle and we're going to find out how peaceful some of these people really are. I literally watched, I literally watched a woman, Heisman Post, stiff arm a kid that was not her own because the girl pointed at something that the woman was about to buy. She said, mommy, look. And this woman said, don't look. And took it. I watched that happen. Yesterday, Rachel and I were getting off the highway. Two cars pulled up next to each other. I watched this dude get out of his vehicle, run around to the driver's side window of the vehicle next to him and start hitting it with his elbow because he wanted a broken elbow this Christmas and start hitting it and swearing at the person next to him. I watched this happen. You're going to find out real quick when you step on someone else's toes how much peace is in their life this holiday season. The crazy thing to me about all of this, too, is that, first of all, that's not even like preacher numbers. Like, I'm not even exaggerating that stuff. And that's all in public. If this stuff is taking place in public, imagine the hurt that is in their homes. Some of you don't need to imagine that. Some of you are currently experiencing that. We're stressed out. We're stressed out. We're stressed out about money. We're stressed out about work. All of a sudden in December, people learn what paid time off does and does not count as. We're stressed out about school. Why on earth in such a cheerful season is it the hardest and most stressful time of the semester? That makes no sense. That's not very Jesus-like. We're stressed out about family. Maybe family that we don't see often and maybe there's a reason we don't see them often. But now for the holidays, we'll see them a little bit more. We're stressed out about family that maybe we see too often and now in front of everybody else we got to pretend like ain't nothing wrong. We're stressed out. We're high strung. We're anxious. 
we are, for many of us, not experiencing peace this Christmas. But I, I do have a bit of good news in all of this. And that is that there is, as a matter of fact, peace on the way. Say, on the way. way. Say, peace. Peace. Say, peace is on the way. way. Do you believe that? Do you live like that? If you have your Bibles with me, will you jump with me to the Gospel of Matthew? It's the first book in the New Testament. So if you go to your table of contents, it'll be pretty easy to, to tell what page that we're on. Matthew chapter 1, we're starting in the beginning of the New Testament. We're going to drop down to verse 18. We're going to read an account that is familiar to many of us. But examine what perhaps the Spirit has for us out of this text this morning. Join me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you don't have your physical Bibles, it is up here on the one screen we're down to for today. Matthew chapter 1 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we just hold on one second? She became pregnant. I need, I need us to catch that. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. All right, keep going. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. You will name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So, we've got pretty traditional characters this morning. Joseph and Mary. We have Mary who, who before her time to be married, was visited by an angel who told her that she would have a baby. Mary, of course, jumps to the logical questions, the natural questions of any of us when somebody says, you're pregnant. See, you don't need to give any more information than that to know what happened at some point before that, right? Y'all tracking with me? In other words, there is this certain thing that happens. I ain't going to ruin it for any children in the room, but there is this thing that happens that causes uh, people to be able to conceive children. And that thing had not actually taken place at any point in Mary's life. So you can imagine when an angel says, you about to have a baby, she's about to say, when and how is that possible? I'm confused. You think she's confused? Imagine how Joseph feels. He said, man, I ain't even, but mm, you're what? 
imagine the societal implications of such a situation. They didn't have, they didn't have teen moms back then, right? The show I'm talking about. They didn't have that show. We glorify things, right? We didn't have that. They didn't have the resources available to them that we have now so that when you do get pregnant at a young age, there is help to surround you. They didn't have that back then. It absolutely would have been unheard of, very frowned upon, like not accepted at all for you to be outside of marriage and for you to be carrying a child. And now let me find out that Joseph ain't even be a part of the thing that's supposed to happen for you to be pregnant. Oh, yeah, Mary, you out here big time. All kinds of people saying stuff about you. And then there's Joseph. Like, you want me to do what? You want me me to stand next to a woman that I did not impregnate? that I'm supposed to marry, that is supposed to be my wife. We're supposed to stand side by side. And yet it appears as if at some point when she was not in my sight, something funny happened. And you want me to stand next to her? Do you know the public ridicule that she'll get? Do you know what would happen to her? And do you want me to stand next to her? And the thing is, Joseph didn't even act out of all of that. It says he wasn't really trying to be a jerk. He said, he said I'm going to do this quietly. I'm going to leave in the calm of the night. I'm going to leave because I can't stay, but I don't want to publicly disgrace you either. He's got, he's got a lot going on. He's got a lot going on. That is not his kid. And so he decides that he's going to leave, that he's going to take this weight. He's going to put it on his own shoulders. He's going to take off and he's going to run with it. And then as he's deep, deep in his head, like talking late night should be asleep, but you're not deep in his head. Deep in some feelings. An angel appears to him and says, listen, it ain't like that. It ain't like that. When the text says an angel appeared, it's interesting to me that in the text, the word appeared is the same as enlightened. The angel said, let me enlighten you real quick. Let me shed some light on this situation. I know it looks dark right now. I know what you're facing looks real glim. I know what you're facing looks impossible to stand beside. I know what you're facing looks impossible to endure. But let me enlighten you to something. It really is how she said it is. She did not step out on you. But also you are not the father. See, there is a miracle on the way where the Holy Spirit really did bless her womb. And now there is life growing inside, but it's not just life for this child. It's actually life for all of humanity, growing impossibly, ununderstandably, inside a young teenage virgin. 
It really is like that. And Joseph, this is a part of a bigger plan. What the angel is able to bring to Joseph in this moment is just a little bit of peace of mind. Oh, she ain't, she ain't step out on me. Peace of mind in knowing that this is a bigger plan. Peace of mind in knowing that he is not alone in going through this. Peace of mind in knowing that there is something bigger than him at work. I mentioned it earlier, it's Fantasy Football Championship Weekend. Uh, shout out to uh, David Lewis, my opponent for this weekend. Shout out to you, bro. Good luck to you. Not really. But every time this weekend comes around, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of, of Championship Weekend just a few years ago. It was me and Garrett in the championship, and Garrett, uh, Garrett happened to be in town. He was living in OKC at the time. He happened to be in town for championship weekend, and so he decided to come over. We were going to watch the Monday night football game, which would determine who the champion of our league would be. And so we're watching this game together, and all I needed on this last drive Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning, who set passing records that year, who threw more touchdowns than anybody ever did that year. All I needed was for him to throw one pass to Demarius Thomas for just eight tiny yards, and I would win the whole thing. That's all I needed on a last-minute drive for Peyton Manning, one of the greatest of all time, to throw one eight-yard pass. To Demarius Thomas. That's it. That's all I needed. And here it was, fourth down, game on the line, Monday night football against the Cincinnati Bungles of all teams. Peyton throws it up. Demarius Thomas goes to get it. And the other team intercepted it. And it appeared as if the game was over. And I threw a fit. I ain't even going to lie to you. I was in a different place in life. Not that it'd be much different now, but I had a fit. It I started yelling. I started getting mad. I might have thrown a couple things. It ain't none of y'all's business. It's not pertinent to the story, but I was heated. And Rachel, my beautiful wife, how much I love her, says, it's just a game. I don't understand why you're so upset. And I looked at her and I said, you don't understand. This is the most important thing to me all year. And she looks at me and calmly, but with deep, deep conviction in her voice said, Corey, your child was born this year. <laughs> Sometimes we get so caught up in the things going on that we forget what we know to be true. Sometimes we get so caught up in the emotions of what's happening to us that we forget the things that are blessing us. And I also want to say that due to a stat correction, two days later I was delivered from defeat and I won. So I just had to hold on a little longer, but that's not for this sermon, that's another time. When we get in these situations, when we get stressed out, 
when life decides to hit us, hit us really hard, a lot harder than losing fantasy football. We tend to lose perspective, don't we? If you call yourself a Christian, you should know the things God says he will do and the characteristics that he reveals to us to be true. We should know these things to be true. When we lean then hard on these things, in times of trials and hardships, when we lean on the things that we know to be true, the Spirit of God is always faithful to give us peace of mind. When we are struggling financially, the Spirit of God is there to give us peace of mind in knowing that God is a provider. When we feel lost and hopeless, we know that whether we're on a mountaintop or in a desert valley, God and His Spirit are there with us. When we feel abandoned or unlovable, we know The Spirit of God is faithful to remind us and give us peace of mind in knowing that God is an unconditionally loving Father who will not leave us abandoned as orphans, but at the right time. No. When we lean on the things we know to be true, there is peace of mind. And the thing is, Joseph, Joseph should have known. Like, I know it's long history, but he should have known. He should have known that it was coming. He should have known that this birth was not random, that it actually was a long time in the making. There was nothing random about this. He should have known. That God's people stood in need of a savior and that God wouldn't leave his people alone to figure it out on their own. He should have known that. Once upon a time, God created all things out of nothing. Everything existed in perfect harmony, but then we fell. Sin began to infiltrate our lives and the world gradually over time, got worse and worse. Our character got worse and worse as we got further and further away from God. And all throughout the Old Testament, what you read is God demonstrating his constant faithfulness and humanity demonstrating our constant faithlessness. It was Joseph's family line that was involved in that narrative. It was their family line that were God's chosen people. It was their family line that through which redemption would come. He should have known. It had been prophesied over and over again that the Messiah would be born of a virgin woman. Matthew quotes it right here. He's like, y'all should know. This ain't a new text. This is an old text. This is a text you probably deleted or put it in your spam box, but it doesn't make it not true. It was prophesied that it would happen in the lineage of Abraham who received the original promise. It was prophesied that the Savior would willingly sacrifice himself, that he would suffer and then enter into glory. But while he was here, he would lift up the poor and oppressed. 
That while he was here, he would humble the proud, heal the sick, free the slaves, and he would do all things by the power of God to reveal the true character of who God really is. And through his life, his death, and his resurrection, he would be named king, and he would reign over all creation, and the mark of his reign would be peace. The Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as we know him, would bring peace to our lives. Peace in the midst of all the turmoil that we feel. See, our own situations, if we're honest, can be traced back to a result of sin. Whether it's our own sin, whether it's someone else's sin, or almost definitely, I'm 99.9% certain, a combination of the two. Our own situations can be traced back to a result of sin in humanity. We find ourselves in stressful situations because we are people who weren't meant to live this way. We were people who were created perfectly by God to experience a perfect world. And now we lived in imperfect fallen times. And that's why we're caught up in the things that we're caught up in. We are people who weren't meant to live in these situations we find ourselves in. And we are people who don't seem to have the means or the ability or the resources to overcome the systems and the addictions and the obstacles in front of us. And this leaves us hurt and broken and not knowing what to do. But God's intention in the arrival of his son is to bring peace to our lives. There is peace in knowing that we have a savior who fights our battles. There is peace in knowing that we have a savior who overcomes all things. There is peace in knowing that we have a Savior who cannot be held down by even the most devastating or fatal blow we experience. The Savior comes to bring peace to our lives. Once Joseph was enlightened, once he understood just a little bit of these things, he all of a sudden got up and took Mary as his wife. All of the sudden, when he was enlightened, when he understood these things, suddenly Joseph, knowing these things, had the courage to stand next to Mary. He knew what people were going to say. He knew even more so that by standing next to her, they would say things about him too. And yet being enlightened to the peace brought by the Savior, he was able to have courage to withstand all of that, to withstand the whispers by lockers, to withstand the weird looks in stores. Suddenly, Joseph found the strength to lead and lead his family well, to find a peaceful place for their son to be born, though everyone that they encountered wanted to turn them away. Joseph was able to do these things when he found peace. Joseph found peace with God 
when he realized that all of this going on was a part of something much bigger. He found peace with God's plan for his life when he realized it wasn't actually about him at all. He wasn't being punished. Nor was Mary. He wasn't the victim of an unruly, sinful circumstance. And this entire thing actually had very little to do with him. But it had everything to do with the salvation of all of humanity, of the entire world. And that this wasn't random, but this was a long time in the making. In other words, this had been calculated out. In other words, in all of God's infinite wisdom, he already thought all of this through. He already knew of the ridicule he would receive. He already knew of the doubt that he would inevitably feel. He already knew of everything that Joseph would face. He already knew. He already thought it out. He had already designed an answer. I think a lot of us feel restless or feel stressed out, feel angry, feel sad, feel hurt, feel broken because we currently don't have peace with God. I'd be willing to go as far as to guarantee that if those are the dominant feelings in your life, it comes from a root of not having peace to some degree with God. We don't, we don't know at the moment how we feel about God. Maybe we're angry with God. Maybe we just don't believe in God. How can I? How can I trust God for peace when I trusted God for something and it didn't come through? How can I trust God for peace? How can I make peace with God when I was born? Nothing I could have done. I was born into a terrible, unloving situation. How can I be at peace with God when I've actually never even heard of or considered any of this before? The truth is that the hurt and the unrest that bubbles up inside of us, especially this time of year, is evidence of how much we need God. It's not that we're abandoned. It's not that we're punished. It's not that we're banished. It's not that we're unloved. It's not that we're ugly. It's not that we're trifling. It's not that we're out of pocket. It's not those things. It's evidence that we need God. And there is no book, there is no movie, there is no advice anyone can give you to bring peace to these things that we're dealing with. Somebody in this room feels that way. There can be no peace without the one who oversees it all and understands how everything fits together. There can be no peace without first coming to peace with God who gives us his presence as peace and as a guarantee that it all works out for the good of those who believe in him. Do you need that peace this morning? 
Do you need to make peace with God this morning? If that's you, then in just a few minutes when we have the opportunity to respond, I want you to go pray with somebody. This is not somebody that God meant for you to do and go out here through on your own. This is something he meant to surround you with. This is something that he meant to resource you for. This is something he meant to build you up to go through in order to build you up for what's next. God wants to make peace with you desperately, and he will not stop. So we might as well stop running, stop feeling restless, stop feeling anxious. We might as well go encounter God. I encourage you, go pray with somebody in a few moments when we have the opportunity. Make peace with God. Or perhaps, perhaps you're the other half of the room that has peace with God relationally but you're just not happy with what he's doing with you right now. You're going through a season that you don't understand. You're looking for open doors that don't seem to be popping open like you thought they would. You're caught up in something that you want out of, but that there doesn't seem to be a way out. If you believe God to be and do what he says, then you believe that God has already put his presence in you. And if you believe that God has already put, the, put his presence in you, then those thoughts, worries, and fears are not from him. So ask him. Ask him what it is that he has to teach you in this season. Ask him what it is that he is, that he is trying desperately, so hard to get you to understand and to absorb and to add on to who you are, and you just don't seem to be getting it. Ask him, what is it, God, that you are revealing to me about who you are? What is it, God, that you are building up in me to have me go do? What is it, God? Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to give the world peace of mind and knowing that we are not forgotten. That we are not alone. That we are not abandoned. Jesus came also to give the enemy notice. That there that their main vessels of evil and suffering have no place in what is prepared for us in eternity. He came to give the enemy notice that it is not evil, that it is not suffering, that it is not dictatorship, that it is not any other oppressive system that will rule the world that he has planned for us. It is nothing more than peace. Jesus came to give us peace in knowing that God is doing something far beyond our own imagination that we get to be included in. It's not for us to know the full plan. It's not for us to know the time of day. It's for us to lean hard on what we know to be true. And to allow God's spirit to give us the strength, the courage, and the peace we need to move forward.